Hoops Heaven proudly brings to you Basketball Hustle, featuring your host, the writer, Chris Pike, and the scoring machine, Sean Redditch. Now it's time for another episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. Hello and welcome to another week of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle and the NBL Cup has now been run and won and what a surprise, it was the Perth Wildcats that came out on top and what a way it was to finish. We'll get onto that game against the Adelaide 36ers shortly and now we're back to some form of normality with a home and away season recommencing in the NBL this week and boy hasn't there been plenty of news to get through even though we haven't had some games to talk about this week. So, so much to get through, we'll have our tap touch preview as always, we'll have our Damo Award with Damien Martin, thanks to Boomerang. And of course, the man that you've all tuned in to hear from, I'm Chris Pike, but the scoring machine, Sean Redditch, is the man of the moment. You'll be back in action on the microphone shortly, Sean. How do we find you this week? Yeah, we're getting ready for uh, finally a home game for the Wildcats. Looking mm-hmm. forward to getting back to RAC Arena, 75% capacity, so... I'm um, slowly getting back to uh, to a bit of normality and, and getting the Red Army behind their team. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing some live action. We've watched a lot of a lot of games on TV over the last few weeks, but there's nothing like live NBL action to uh, to to get back into things. Busy day in the in the world of the scoring machine at the moment. We're, we're recording this on on Friday morning this week to to release our episode ahead of. Round 10 in the NBL, and I'm sure you've got some Redditch basketball work to do in between. And, and then, as we said, you'll be back on the microphone tonight for for the game between the, the Wildcats and the Taipans. Yeah, always, always good to be busy. We had the coaches forum last, last night, Thursday night down in Mandras. So I was able to shoot down there and, and provide a little insight uh, into my time as, uh, as a player and also now coaching as well. So it's great to uh, get out in the community, try and impact uh, not not only the players but also the coaches and, and hopefully having a positive impact on the game and and yeah back into our, our school sessions our high performance it's um, yeah basketball is growing like crazy and uh, you know it's just good to see uh, be a part of the game and looking forward to uh, getting talking about all things NBL this week yeah and boy don't we have a lot to talk about so the NBL Cup has finished so before I get your thoughts on that let's run through the results from the last week of the NBL Cup. So it went from Wednesday through to Sunday. So there was plenty of games to talk about. So it began back on last Wednesday night. The Breakers beat the Taipans 76 to 73. And the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix beat Melbourne United 97 to 92. Then on Thursday, we had the Brisbane Bullets beating the Adelaide 36ers 109 to 104. And the Illawarra, Illawarra Hawks beating the Sydney Kings 89 to 69. Then on Friday, the Perth Wildcats beat the New Zealand Breakers 85 to 75. Southeast Melbourne Phoenix beat the Cairns Taipans 85 to 81. Then a high-scoring one on Saturday, Sydney Kings over the Brisbane Bullets 119 to 108. Um, and also the Illawarra Hawks beat Melbourne United 77 to 69. And then Sunday, Southeast Melbourne Phoenix over the Breakers 103 to 89. And the most remarkable of games, the most remarkable two halves really. The Perth Wildcats finished off beating. The Adelaide 36ers, 97-89. to 89. So what that all meant was the Perth Wildcats finished on top with a 7-1 and one record to take out the prize money. The Phoenix ended up finishing second to take, I think it was $100,000 after the Wildcats took out the $150,000 and the Bullets were third to take out the $50,000. Um, what what stands out to you, Sean? What, what do you sort of want to comment on first? Well, I guess I'm looking at the scores and to have the Kings score 69 points against the Hawks who probably aren't known for their defense mm. and then to score 119 a couple <laughs> days later against the Bullets. Not I mean, that, that's they scored 50. 71 in the second half of that game. Incredible. <laughs> and, you know, the Bullets, you, you watch that game, they had that game in control. I mean, Nathan Sobey was knocking down mm. everything. It just felt like, it was going to be another comfortable win for the Brisbane Bullets, how they were playing as well. They've been, you know, one of the hottest teams in the league. So, but the Kings, it, it, it just kind of symbolizes what's happened this year and, and so many, you know, up and down, get a win, get a loss, great first half, poor second half, and, and probably top that off, you know, with the Wildcats versus the 36ers. One of the remarkable, I mean, 
I was watching that first half mm-hmm. and, and almost ready to go out and uh, pull a Jesse Wagstaff and start mowing my lawn because I thought the Wildcats lost. We're gonna we're gonna lose that one. Didn't have a whole. I mean, obviously, you always have something to play for, but they'd already won the NBL Cup. I thought they were looking forward to finally getting home and and sleeping in their own bed, seeing their families. Um, but then they just had a remarkable second half and, you know, I don't know what was it was at a 19 point run yeah. to start that, that third quarter, just incredible. When you given up, um, 60 points in the first half, it was, uh, it, it probably deserved to get the NBL cup when you can come back mm. from 26 down in the first half, 21 at halftime and, uh, it went by nine. It was <laughs> an impressive performance. How deflating is it for the 36ers, though? They would have been feeling so good about themselves at halftime. Brandon Paul had come out on, on debut and set set things on fire in the second quarter. Um, they were 26 points in front late in the second quarter. Um, to then lose a game from that, that point, um, how deflating would have that been for them, as good as it was for the Wildcats? Yeah, they would have been upset that there was any type of halftime at that game. They would have wanted to go straight into the third quarter as well as they were playing. But uh, credit to the Wildcats making the adjustment. They just seemed a lot more active in the second half. You saw, uh, you know, a lot more deflection, steals, which led to some easy points. But then also, I think just the the youth of the 36ers kind of shone through. They didn't have that that veteran guy to kind of step up and say, hey, guys, this is what we need to do. You know, Daniel Johnson is is a great player, but, um, you know, they just didn't have enough of those guys that experience what what, what can happen when uh, a team starts to get on a roll, what you need to do. And and uh, I think just the experience of the Wildcats probably shown through in that second half. Now, I guess coming into this season and even through a lot of the first half of the season, a lot of a lot of pundits have been saying how this was the year for the Wildcats to to drop off the perch. But right now, they won seven of the eight games at the NBL Cup. They were clearly the best team over the last month at the NBL Cup. I think there's a really strong argument you can make that Bryce Cotton and John Mooney are the best two players in the league right now. Um, I think they deserve to be pretty strong championship favourites right now. Yeah, you got to put them up there. I, I still think that. The favorites are the United. Just, I, I think that they've dropped some, losing that continuity with so many guys. I guess being injured now coming back, um, but they just don't seem like they're, they're winning a lot of games. So they haven't. We haven't seen their best. Lost, uh, I think they're right now. Yeah, and and I think that's because they're getting these guys back, and so they're losing that continuity. Yeah. But I don't. I think they're going to be there in the end. And I think the wild card there is going to be what do the Wildcats do when Bryce gets his citizenship? Mm-hmm. Does that take them to that next level where they can um, – yeah, I think they can still beat United with the lineup that they have, but I think it's going to make help things a lot more if they, if they can add an extra, say, a center or a, a wing player that uh, can kind of take some pressure off, off Bryce Cotton and, and the attention that he gets game in and game out. Yeah, I actually want to run a, a theory by you later in the show, Sean, about a potential option for that import spot if Bryce does get his citizenship in time. So interested to get your thoughts on that. It's a it's a theory that I'm going to run by you without notice, so I'll get your, your reaction later. Um, we saw a couple of debuts on the weekend. Brandon Paul for the 36ers on Sunday was, was fantastic, um, especially in the second quarter, but he still ended the game with 25 points, and that was only after having sort of one or two training runs with the team and, and not being long out of quarantine. And Ryan Brokoff as well. Um, he His very first possession on Friday night against Kansas, he knocked down a three, but never quite got going in either game that he played on the weekend. And then he appeared to sort of ping a little bit of a hamstring on Sunday. We'll wait and see how he is this weekend. Um, what did you make of the debuts of, of those two? Yeah, well, I thought, I mean, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I thought, I think it's going to take a little while for Brokoff to kind of settle in and feel um, comfortable there at the Phoenix and, and the Phoenix using him as well. He's not a guy that you just kind of give the ball to and he's going to go score. You kind of need to run some actions and, and, and create some stuff for him. Uh, a little bit like a Clint Steindl uh, where you've kind of got to get, you know, such a great shooter, but, you know, he's not, outstanding in a one-on-one scenario. So it's, it's, a, it's a thing where I think they're going to take time and, and obviously the injury doesn't help things as well. But, I, you know, it's more a long-term plan with Brokaw 
Brandon Paul, I was impressed. He, he came in as a scorer, known as a scorer, and he produced. I, it's what the 36ers need. Um, they just need to probably find some consistency. You know, that, that second quarter, though, was outstanding mm-hmm. by him. And you can see he's a confidence player. When he's when he's on, he's going to be a tough one to stop. And, and he had some tough shots in that first. You know, well, they weren't just open shots that he was knocking down. So, yeah, you know, I think he's only going to get better the more he feels comfortable. And you had Giddy. Brandon Paul and then Daniel Johnson and you you've got a good combination right there and, and if they get Isaac Humphreys yeah. back at some stage as well they're going to be uh, that, that's four legit players who could be uh, in the All Star five at some stage yeah absolutely I think they've got the makings there of a good team Sunday Detch and Jack McVeigh handy backups and then they've got their second import Tony Crocker who suddenly becomes um, sort of that sixth or seventh man as well so I think they've got the makings of something there but gee they they just can't have a second half like like they did on, on Sunday. Um, Con, you know Connor Henry pretty well. How would have he responded to a second half like that? And how will he have his team ready to respond, especially on Monday night when they do come to Perth? Well, it was a hard one to watch from, I guess, if you're a 36ers fan, because they they played so well in the first half. And then as a coach, can you really – I mean, you can – you almost need to settle him down. I think the, the tendency for Connor is to get on his guys and, and trying to rile him up that way. But mm-hmm. that's probably not what their the team needed. And I didn't see him, you know, I guess approaching them in, in, in you know, kind of almost yelling and screaming type of way. But it was, it was one of those things where sometimes as a young player in a young club, you have to go through those things. And there's no other way than to learn it than just go – just experience it. It's got to be frustrating as a coach and as a fan as well as they played in that first half. But, uh, you know, I think they'll be a better team and a better – and they're still in the contention. You know, they're not not a team that's, you know, dropping out. And um, so you'd like to think that they would have learned a lot from that. But I guess it's disappointing if you're a 36ers fan to, you know, just to play so well in one half and then so poorly in the second half was, um, was, was an interesting result. Now, this is really going to test your memory, but the last game that Connor coached you at the Wildcats was that famous game against the Crocs where they eliminated you. Do you remember what he was like at halftime with that game? Oh, no, uh, that's, uh, <laughs> that's that's going back. I do usually remember remember our, our losses, but, uh, yeah, that was a um, that was a, a, a frustrating game. Mm. I think, you know, we... We kind of felt like we we deserved to to get that one as of the season that we had. It was a little bit up and down, but um, you know, credit to them they they played quite well. But it was it, it, that was a that was a strange season all along. I just kind of never felt like we had our we didn't have our personnel right. I don't think. I think we were kind of loaded up in the three four spot and and the other spots we probably. Um, so just we never really found that mix that that worked. I didn't think. No, I think you're right. Have you seen Connor since that night? Yeah, I think I've seen him um, through because he was coaching with the Sydney Kings yeah, for a little while. Um, yeah. So yeah, I ran ran into him up at um, in some preseason games and that type of thing. So um, yeah, we definitely um, have um, have seen each other and, and had a chat about it. So okay, very good. Now since the NBA. Well, actually, before we move on from the NBL Cup, what's your overall opinion on it now that it's been, been, been completed? It was a month in Melbourne. Everyone played everyone. Um, I think by the end of it, most players and coaches seem to be, well, be pretty, pretty much craving the the end of it. Maybe it was a little bit long in the finish, but overall, um, what was your impressions of it? Look, I, I think it was it was good from. The NBL, I think they needed to do something to be proactive in case uh, something does happen later in the season. Uh, I'm probably in the mindset it probably was a little bit too long. Maybe, maybe you kind of have a little tournament format where everyone goes and, and plays off, and if you lose, you go home. I don't know. There's, I think there's some ways to do it um, to kind of capture the attention a little bit better. I, I think you know if you're in one city, that many games, it's going to be hard to get fans and everyone to kind of tune in. Um, but I, I kind of like a little tournament format, maybe like come together, come together, knockout tournament, big prize money at the end, something to play for. And, uh, and, and maybe you kind of get seeded by how you finished last year's regular season. Yep. So you come together, 
Um, you, you play, obviously, you know, if they did it next year, I don't know where the, the jack jumpers um, get seated, but probably most likely 10th. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe one, two, get a bye, yeah. and the other teams play off, and then you know, big um, big prize money at the, at the end for it. I, I would love to see that. I think that would be exciting, and just move it around to different cities as well, mm-hmm. and uh, and give and possibly even some regional areas where they get the, a chance to see see some some NBL action and see teams playing. But I, I, I'm kind of a big fan more of the tournament rather than, say, everyone play each other um, all at one time. But I think it was just more of a, a COVID response than anything. But I do like getting a tournament and, you know, who, who can win a preseason, who can win a, a – you know, it's in season tournament, who, mm-hmm. the regular season, and then also the grand final. That would be uh, that'd be interesting to see if some team could uh, complete all four. Yeah, I agree. I, I like your thinking. Um, now, since it finished on Sunday, um, there's been no shortage of big news right around the league, Sean. So let's get through some of these these biggest talking points. So Lamar Patterson is obviously he's been a big talking point the whole season, and he still is. So. Once the NBL Cup finished, the New Zealand Breakers granted him his release and, and Dan Shamir didn't hold back when he talked about how unhappy he was with the way he, he, he I guess, the way he presented himself once he arrived here in the in, to play this season. So clearly no love lost there. But as soon as he was released, the Brisbane Bullets snapped him up and, and signed him again after he'd spent the last two seasons there. And in response, Brisbane released Orlando Johnson and the Breakers have now already signed their new import, Levi Randolph. Um, get your head around all of that. Yeah, it, it happened so quickly. And, you know, Brisbane, obviously, I think that's a good move for them. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they weren't getting a whole lot out of Orlando Johnson. I don't think he had kind of settled into his role yet. He, you know, he had shown moments of brilliance. But, um, you know, Lamar Patterson... We know what he's capable of. He just has, and I don't know if it's more the system of coming into the breakers, if he was out of shape. He, he kind of, his body type almost makes him look out of shape yeah. all the time. Yeah. Um, and that's what I thought when I first saw him come to the NBL. But, you know, he proved us all wrong that uh, he can play and, and make a difference. So I think he's going to feel more comfortable going back to Brisbane. And I'll be interested to see how he the difference in his play, you know, does he come out and be the same Lamar Patterson? Then we know it was just a, maybe a systems thing with the breakers or is he, you know, not a hundred percent, not fit. And, you know, he's just, his, his play has declined. I don't know that we'll find out probably in the first few weeks. Um, once he gets healthy and able to play for the breakers, but uh, you know, I think the breakers also needed to do something. They weren't they weren't happy with, and and we talked about that. If you're going to make a move, you got to make a move now. Mm-hmm. There's um, there's not a whole lot that uh, Tom. You know, by the time these players have to go through quarantine, and then the other interesting thing: what does Orlando Johnson do? Because if I'm him, I'm just hanging around here. I don't know what his contract is, but hanging around because there's going to be a team that needs someone um, pretty soon. And, you know, he's, he's, he's a quality player. I don't think he's – it's not that he's not capable of putting up good numbers. It may have just been a systems thing as well with him. And, you know, teams are going to need someone in a pinch if uh, if there is an injury to one of their key guys. So, well, so um, you, I'll you be, be preempting what I was going to say later. So why don't, why don't I jump to my surprise that I was going to announce later on and talk about it now. I, I see Orlando Johnson as the absolute perfect fit for the Perth Wildcats if they have an import spot open if Bryce Cotton gets his citizenship. To me, right now they're either starting Luke Travers, Jared Bairstow or Clint Steindl um, in that forward spot. I see Orlando Johnson as a significant upgrade on on any of those. And to me, he's a great fit. He would be either the third option behind Cotton and Mooney or even maybe the fourth option behind Blanchfield as well. But he's shown he can be a pretty good defender. He can shoot the ball. He can finish, but he can also be a role player as well, so he doesn't necessarily need the ball. And the Wildcats don't want someone to come in and dominate. Um, To me, um, he would be the perfect signing for the Wildcats, especially because he wouldn't need to quarantine. He knows the league already. And I guess the day after Bryce gets his citizenship, he could be ready to play. Yeah, I'm not so 
sold on that, Pikey. Okay. Um, I, he is available. I think that's his biggest attractiveness. But I kind of see him more as a 2-3 than, say, yeah, a 4-man. Okay. Um, in the way that I, I've seen him play. Maybe maybe you've seen something that, that I haven't seen. But he's uh, he seems to be more kind of in that 2-3 spot where I kind of feel like the Wildcats need a 4-5. Um, no, but I, I think he's right about that. But right now, I mean, he's a similar play to Clint Steindl, isn't he, who did start on the weekend? Yeah, I think there's there's some... Uh, and maybe maybe you bring him over and start train having him train with the club and yeah. just kind of see where where you know if he is the right fit and uh, you kind of get a free free pass there and he can kind of get comfortable and if if you feel like he is you saw him if you don't you know he, you don't saw him and uh, he can go on your on his uh, you know to his next team and and the Wildcats can look for someone so. Uh, you know it's going to be something where probably need the Wildcats going to need to make that that determination though pretty soon depending on you know the quarantine and flights and all that stuff that that might happen so I, I could see that you know as a as an option I'm sure they probably explored it a little bit well let, let me throw another idea your way would he fit at Melbourne United yeah I see him more fitting out of Melbourne United mm. than than the Wildcats I think United could use uh you know that kind of Three man. I mean, they've got Scotty Hobson, but he's injured at the moment, so yeah. maybe he comes in and you know that two three kind of spark. Yeah, I feel like Melbourne United could use a little four man as well in that import um, spot to, to kind of free up Chalk Landale at times. So there's uh, there's some interesting moves that they could make, but um, I'm sure both those teams are, are are exploring. You know, where is he? Is he flown back to mm. his home, or well, is he still yeah. in Australia? Well, once he leaves, he's he's almost out of contention, isn't he? So he kind of, if he wants to be any chance, he has to hang around for a little while. Yeah, I mean, if I was his, his manager, I'd be on the phone with, with every NBL club and just kind of seeing if is there an opportunity and get him down there to start training to show him what he's capable of. Now, the unfortunate news out of, out of this week, Sean, and we have to touch on it. We don't have to go into great detail about the circumstances, but Mitch Creek, he's now been, I guess, Indefinitely stood down from his duties at the at the at the Phoenix after being being charged with with assault. Um, so I think that's the right move. First of all, I think I think until it plays out in the court, I, I think the league and the club has made the right move by by standing him down. Um, in a basketball sense, um, what does it do to the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix? I think they were a real championship threat once they'd added Brokov. And knowing that they still had Dane Pino to come back, they've still got Adam Gibson to come back, and and Kiefer Sykes is just about ready to come back as well. And they did finish the NBL Cup on a on a winning streak and in second position. Um, if Mitch Craig doesn't isn't able to come back, what does it do to the to the to them as a team? Yeah, I, I'm going to find it really hard for them to stay in contention without Mitch Creek. He, he's kind of that heart and soul of the team, and uh, you know it's it's an unfortunate incident. You know, I hope it plays out um, positive for him in, in the end is because I, you know, probably would like to see him back playing in the NBL because he's such a, a great player. And, uh, you know, I, and I think he's done a lot of good things for for the Phoenix. He's kind of been the face of that club That's to the start. But, you know, I think the, the league and the, the club is doing the right thing by standing you know, staying him down at this at this stage, you know, letting that all play out. But it's uh, it, it's a hard one to take if you're uh, one a Mitch Creek fan, which I'm sure there, you know, mm. he's, there's a lot of those out there. Um, and you know, I think there's a lot of players and 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 people that kind of looked up to Mitch Creek as a as a huge role model um, for what he's been able to do. I, you know, I, for me personally, I was a huge fan of, mm-hmm. you know, just seeing his growth. I just remember when he came from the AIS and, you know, he started out in Adelaide 36ers and just kind of blossomed. You don't see many guys really kind of slowly, slowly improve, improve, improve. And then all of a sudden it's like, he's arrived and he, he you know, he's one of the best players in the NBL. So it's, it's been fun for me to kind of see his growth as a, as a player, coming in as an 18-year-old and, and such big raps. But the thing I love that, you know, he was such a hard worker. It seemed like he was always improving. So it's a uh, it's a tough one if, uh, if you're an NBL 
fan. And, uh, you know, we don't know the exact circumstances around it. There's no whole lot of details released about it, but let's, let's hope, you know, from, from Mitch Creek's point of view that, uh, you know, that they come out and, you know, he can be, um, it's, it's not as bad as it, as it looks and, and hopefully, you know, things will play out and, you know, but if, if it is, if he is guilty and that type of thing, then that's, you know, that's the right call. He, he, he shouldn't be out there representing the NBL and the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, well, but we don't know that until it plays okay. out. Let, let me ask, this is a tough question. If he is found guilty, um, should he be allowed to play in the league again? Or if he's found guilty, have we seen the last of him? Yeah, that's an that's an interesting one. I, um, you know, I, I certainly think there'd be a time where he needs to be away from the game. Yeah. I don't know if it's a, it's a permanent ban, and I, I, I don't know the exact um, circumstances around it um, to be able to comment fully yeah, sure. on that. But I, you know, it's going to be in an interesting one. I don't know if we've had to really deal with that here in the NBL where you've no, had no, such a, not, that's for a long time, at least certainly since I've been here, where it's been like a real, you know, superstar in our league had to deal with something like that. Um, maybe you might be better, but I'm trying to recall no, no, where nothing, we, we haven't. Out, out no. So it's, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how the league takes that. And, and let's be honest, the thing, you know, Probably over the last couple of years, the the tolerance to something like this is gone a lot lower, oh, and yeah. you know, and, and rightfully so. And so, the, it's going to take a lot more for a club to be able to sign a guy like that if he is guilty. Mm. Um, I could see him if he, you know, after all this plays out, all the all the legal things play out, potentially having to go overseas to play before coming back at that. Yeah. If, if, if he um, if he does get a chance to play back in the NBL, yeah, I think you're right. But that, that's just hope for the best. Let's hope that he didn't that he didn't do it, and let's hope that it all play all plays out like that. So, I guess that's all we can say about it at this point. Um, it's pr- a pretty heavy way to finish that first segment, Sean. So it might be a good time to let Damian Martin lighten things up. And when we come back, he'll be back with the the Damo Award. Thanks to Boomerang. Okay, thanks to Boomerang once again. I'm joined by Damien Martin for the Damo Award. Before we get to get to the defensive maestros of this week, Damo, how did you come away from the NBL Cup feeling? Were you a, were you a whole were you a fan of the the whole thing? I was. I absolutely loved the concept of pretty much every second day there was a double header, and then come the weekend, you know, you just go home from work or wherever you've been, sit on the couch, and there's basketball to be watched, and at a high level. So not only were the games entertaining, but just the fact that there was so many of them in such a short period of time. You know, obviously, I love the NBA, and it's like having the NBA, but you know, but teams are actually trying to play full four full quarters of basketball post the NBA, where it kind of feels like only a handful of teams believe they can win and they only play the fourth quarter so yeah I just thought going into it I had my doubts about whether you know players are going to be back, able to back up so quickly because it is out of the norm you know living out of a hotel and a suitcase for so long instead the basketball was as good as we've ever seen so I was a huge fan of it you know obviously the Wildcats to win seven out of eight games is incredible living away from home and under those circumstances uh, South East Melbourne obviously made a, a late run Brisbane were fantastic so everyone was probably thinking you know Melbourne are going into this what undefeated uh, and playing at home so they're going to be the hot favourite and instead they are uh, you know showed that they're capable of, of losing and, and losing consecutively Are you surprised how good the Wildcats have been able to to get themselves you know in the first half of this season you take out I mean, we talk about the players that have lost. You, you take out yourself. You take out Nick Kay. You take out Tariko White. You take out you take out Miles Plumley. There, there was a, there was a lot of players lost from last year, and I guess that's why a lot of people were starting to think, you know, the streak might be over. But right now, they have to be the championship favourites. Yeah, I thought that I was playing very good team basketball and then allowing their superstar to take over when, when he felt like it. So Bryce always has a green light from tip-off to the final siren, but the reality is he still plays within a structure. But when there's times where you give it to him, he just goes a bit of iso ball or an on-ball. 
everybody's more than happy for that, but it's got to be a nice mix of it. At times in the past where we just relied on that soil too much, it was probably negative for us, whereas right now it's that beautiful balance of ball reversal, you know, making the extra pass. Obviously, Toddy Blanchfield's playing great basketball at the moment. Mooney's probably better than most people were expecting. He has been brilliant. Uh, I thought Norto was probably the unsung hero of the tournament. They're just defensively getting the guys into the offensive structures, mixing up their defenses. I love seeing that being called from Norto. And then Jesse Wagstaff's just shooting the ball out, you know, out of the, out of the light. So, we're shooting the lights out. He's been brilliant as well. So, I think a lot of guys are stepping up, embracing their role, playing it uh, to a really high level. But at the end of the day, it's that old cliche over it is Wildcats basketball, but, you know, obviously any team with Bryce Cotton is obviously going to have a, a foot in the door and, and looking pretty good. So, no, I thought they played very impressive basketball, but so did a lot of other teams, uh, and I just loved watching, you know. I mean, the, the, the level that Sobey is playing at, we talk about Bryce being an MVP, and don't get me wrong, I think he is right now, but Sobey is out of this world good right now, uh, which is just fun to watch more than anything. Cole Adnan was great for the tournament. There's, there's, a mystery, there's a number of players I could throw out there. Uh, it's just been fantastic. Now, as you know, I do a, a 36ers show with Scott Ninnis as well, and every week he talks about how, no matter what, the Wildcats just love inflicting pain on the 36ers, and... And he, he's got 30 years of reflecting on it from, from his career. Um, did you sense that during your career? Did you just love breaking the hearts of the 36ers, just like the team did on Sunday? Well, you are very much aware of the rivalry when you join the Wildcats. Obviously, proximity-wise, they're the closest team to Perth, and that history is long and rich. You know, I think they're second with the second most amount of championships or third. So, you know, there's been success from both clubs. But then there's also some matchups and games in particular. You know, that Valentine's Day massacre where Joey Wright punched our assistant coach out of the television. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of scuffles throughout the years. So it is a game that it doesn't matter where either team is sitting on the ladder you do get excited for because you know both teams are going to play hard, play aggressive, and every possession matters. So diving on a loose ball becomes a non-negotiable. Boxing out, bumping the cutters. So it's a, it's a lot of fun, uh, but you certainly get into the locker room after the game and know you've had to earn that win if you're uh, fortunate enough to get it. Now let's get on to our votes for this week. Um, there's a lot of good defensive performances this week. Now we won't get to our three votes to start with. Let's start with the, the one vote. And I think this man... <laughs> I think this man's wildly underrated as a defender. I, I remember back to his Taipans days, he was a really good defender and doesn't get talked about a lot, but I'm glad he's got a vote this week. Yeah, and it's funny because he's actually the league leader in steals right now. <laughs> I mean, that's not sugarcoat. It wasn't just this round he's played well. I think he had some back issues the last couple of seasons, so maybe he wasn't as mobile. But this is a guy that a few years ago, and in particular when he was in Cairns, you know, they're throwing... LU plays for him. They're running LU plays. So he is a legit athlete and he actually looks like he's fit, healthy, moving well, and it's really been reflected at the defensive end. So Cam Glidden, you know, he's league leader, like I said, with 2.1 steals per game. I thought he was fantastic over the weekend, not just, you know, getting a handful of steals, but being a lockdown defender. So we think of him as a three-point shooter and an incredible free-throw shooter uh, and scorer. But, yeah, defensively, I thought he was fantastic. So the one vote this week goes to, to Glidden. Yeah, and he's always the man that his coach always throws onto Bryce Cotton more often than not. So that that probably says says it all. Um, two votes. Now this man has has certainly cemented himself as one of our best defenders, hasn't he? And he had another another pretty good week. Yeah, it's, it's hard to go by him, whether they win or lose, whether he puts up 10 or 15 points or single digits. But Simon, again, from Illawarra, I think this is about the third or fourth time I've voted for him. He's just consistently good. He's, he's freakishly athletic. He reads the play well. He's not afraid to leave his man to go and make plays, you know, whether it's a double team to go and block a shot, to go get a big defensive rebound, whatever it may be. But, yeah, I just love paying attention to him when he's out there. Uh, and instead of ball watching, I like to just see what he's doing off the ball. And, yeah, he's a legitimate superstar at the defensive end in this league. He's only averaging about 20-odd minutes a game. But when he's out there, he makes the most of it, that's for sure. And, and yeah, he is, he is fun to watch purely from a defensive perspective, in my opinion. Now, your three votes, and you made it clear to me when you told me that this is your award, so you can do whatever you like, and I'm in no position to argue, but... Clearly, you liked what the Wildcats did defensively last week, Damo. Look, that's right, and specifically the third quarter. I mean, don't get me wrong, to go on a 19-zip run to start the third when you've been humiliated in the first half is not an easy feat. Not only did they get credit for those 19 points, but to hold them to zero, 
The Wildcats offense, best offense, always comes after stops. So for them to be able to string together stops, when they can get out and run, kick the ball ahead, get into some drag, on-ball screens, spot-up shooters, get on the ring, live at the free-throw line, whatever it may be, that is off getting stops. When they're constantly taking it out of the net, have to play a slower version of the game, it's not as successful. So for them to, I don't know what Trev said to them in the locker room or what the leaders stepped up and said, but it certainly worked. And, and when you're down by that many at halftime, a lot of it's internally driven as well. So, yeah, to, to give out the defensive votes, I couldn't go past one quarter in particular and three players in particular. Bryce Cotton, who I probably could have given votes to in other games as well, but, you know, he's third in the league in steals. Last year, he led the league in steals. You know, some people give him a bit of a knock at the defensive end. I don't think he deserves that at all. When you're that good offensively and you're still playing that hard and that well defensively, it is incredible. But because of how talented he is with the ball, people just assume he must be a liability at the other end and he is far from it. His quick hands, that one play on Sunday, Dench, as Sunday was spotting up to shoot a three, you know, get to steal, they get out run and, you know, that was a defining moment, I thought, in the game. So he has to have some of the quickest hands in the game right now. He was great. John Mooney, certainly deserves to be in the talks for Defensive Player of the Year. He's in the top 10 for rebound steals and block shots. Uh, you know, he's dominating the rebound count. Don't get me wrong, he's averaging over 10 rebounds a game, but he's up there with steals and points. And if anyone decided they want to start counting deflections, I have no doubt he'd be in the top 10 for that. He's just he's just got a high basketball IQ, a willingness to play every possession, and, you know, a desire to win. You combine those three things with a hell of a lot of skill, and you get a player that's probably going to be first-team All-NBL. And then, uh, yeah, Nordo. I mentioned him earlier in the segment. He just shows his hands. He slides his, slides his feet. He fights over every on-ball screen. And he does it every time. So it's just the course of that wear and tear by breaking his plays because they know they're not going to get any easy possession. So he's not getting as many steals as, say, Bryce is or, or Mooney. But he gets put on the opposition's best you know, point guard or shooting guard stays in front of them, makes it tough for them and kind of plays the numbers game. If I can test 100% of your shots, you're going to miss quite a few regardless of how talented they are. So he doesn't get many blocks, he doesn't get many steals, but he does contest everything uh, and does a hell of a job out there. He's probably one of the best in sliding his feet in the league. So, yeah, I know I'm breaking the rules this week. I, I probably got caught up in the moment of the third quarter and I was like, no, nah, I'm just giving... I, I didn't want to go all five. I thought they might have been pushing it. But I had to give those three because they are the backbone of the Wildcats defensive end. Jesse's continuing to take a lot of charges, but those three in particular I thought were just brilliant. Uh, I don't think anyone is in a position to argue with it, Damo, so make up your own rules, do what you like. When you've got when you've got the history that you produced as a defender, no one's in a position to argue, but I, I don't even disagree. I, I, I totally agree because especially with what they had to turn around. I mean, Adelaide put up 60 points in that first half and they, you know, DJ was on fire, Brandon Paul was on fire on debut, um, Sunday, Detch was on fire. They actually had to stop a team that was on fire, and then they held them scoreless for more than five minutes. Yeah, it wasn't a 30-point half, the Adelaide 36 has scored. They had their eye in, they were full of confidence. It is hard to stop a team that's full of momentum, full of confidence, and that's certainly what Adelaide had coming into the third quarter. So, oh, and I know we're here to talk defense, but Paul, what a debut. I, I can't wait to watch him again, but that's for another t- segment. Maybe you can talk to Sean about offense. We'll see how we go there. But no, it's been a... a incredible four weeks in the hub. Uh, some teams are going home with a bit of extra money and, and now hopefully it's a bit of normality. I know RAC Arena can have 75% capacity, so that'll be a sellout at that level on uh, Friday night and then they'll back it up on Monday and the other teams who can finally return home, you know, sleep in their own beds, play in their own arenas. I'm just over the moon that they're returning to their families and normal lifestyle or as close to it as possible at least. You're looking forward to getting back there? When, when, when do we get to see you on the microphone this weekend? Yeah, I'll be there on Monday calling the game. So Sean has Friday night's game. I'll be calling the Adelaide one. So if the 36ers are up by 20 at half time, and I'm interviewing Connor Henry, you can probably guess what the question's going to be. But no, I'm looking forward to seeing the, the boys out there live, both teams, because like I said, you know, it's one game, but I love what I saw from Paul. Everyone knows I'm a huge fan of Sunday. I think DJ is just being DJ again, another all-star type of season coming up. Uh, they're obviously missing Humphreys, but they've got enough talent around around there to get some wins and they will trouble the Wildcats, make no doubt about that. Um, they had to come up with one of the most incredible comebacks I've seen. Last question, and I've been meaning to ask you this for a couple of weeks, Damo. Can you tell us a bit more about your Everlast drinks that you're part of? 
Yeah, if anyone's uh, out here in Perth and in an IGA or a Farmer Jack's or some of the petrol stations, you can pick up a sports drink. So it's an isotonic sports drink, and you got my corny mug wearing a Boomer's jersey on there. So no, it's been fun to be a part of. And then what started purely just as an ambassador role, I've now become a shareholder and enjoying trying to promote it and you know make it bigger and better. And it's a first guy that we've basically got to the highest level he could with Coca-Cola in Australia, uh, who own Powerade or Gatorade. Um, before he'd have to make the move to America if he wanted to, you know, continue to climb the corporate ladder. He got offered that job and then decided, no, I've got young kids, I want to move back to Perth. He was living in Melbourne at the time, came back home and decided I know everything there is to know about making these drinks. I'm going to go out on my own. So credit to him, Everlast is obviously a multi-billion dollar clothing apparel brand, but they didn't have a sports drink uh, license. So he went and got that and off to the races we go. So it's early days, but it's a lot of fun just learning something new and something different from, you know, offences, defences and putting a choice trying to put them all through the hoop, or more importantly, giving it to Bryce to put through. So it's just fun uh, learning something a little bit different. No, fantastic. So if, if anyone does get a chance and sees them in a store, make sure you, you give them a try. But we're also here thanks to Boomerang. So if you need a, a basketball set up in your backyard or wherever you are, head to Boomerang. But Damo, thanks again for joining us once again and look forward to seeing what sort of new rules you come up with for your award next week. <laughs> I promise everyone's going to think I'm biased because of the Wildcats. If another team goes on a 19-zip run when they're down 20 and it's off the backbone of defense, I'll find three candidates for them to give the, the three points to. <laughs> You've got my word on that. <laughs> I'll hold you to that. But thanks, Damon. <laughs> thanks, Pikey. Okay, back now on Hoop7's Basketball Hustle. Thank you to Damien Martin and Boomerang for the Damo Award. Now, I'm back with the scoring machine, Sean Redditch. Um, got to get your thoughts on on what we just heard from Damo, Sean. Um, he gave three lots of three votes, all to Wildcats players. So Bryce Cotton, John Mooney, Mitch Norton, all got three votes from him this week. Um, what are your thoughts? <laughs> well, I'll leave it to Damo to kind of, is that allowed in the demo award? Well, because well, he told me that he it's his award, so he makes up his own rules. So, right, so <laughs> okay, that was the end of it. Well, there we go. Well, I mean, Sunday Dutch didn't get any awards after uh, after having to guard the two best players in the league. So it was, you know, I, I, I found it interesting to get three three votes. Did he? Is it more the second half? Because second half they were outstanding. So maybe they should each get one and a half because the first <laughs> half their defense was poor. They gave up 60 points um, to yeah. the Adelaide 36 well, so. it, it was basically for the first five minutes of the third quarter. <laughs> 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 All right, so maybe they get point three mm. each. But, uh, you know, I'll leave that to Damo. He's the expert in, uh, in the leaderboard. You still got Sunday Dutch up there but with 11 and Justin Salmon in six. So um, you, you just never know what to expect from Damo, and that's, uh, that's why we love him. Absolutely. So, yep, that, that was the Damo Award. Now let's get on to the Tab Touch preview. We'll have, we'll have the tips from Matty Knight as well as we go along and get your thoughts on the games now in round 10 of the NBL, Sean. Um, it starts Friday night, and it's a, it's a tantalising one. So we've got the Sydney Kings at home to Melbourne United. We've got Matty Knight tipping Melbourne United. Tap Touch have got the Sydney Kings as favourites at $1.81, Melbourne United at $2. Melbourne United on a three-game losing streak, which only a few weeks ago we thought they might be, might go through the season undefeated. Um, what are your thoughts on this one? Well, look, if, uh, I actually really like United in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Kings, I think they're just one of those teams that's just really up and down. And I think United actually losing three. They got... Um, you know, most of their guys back and a lot of their key guys. So I think they're going to find their groove and, and get a win in, in this one. So if, you, if you're looking to take a punt, I'm, I'm picking Melbourne United. I think that's good value at, uh, at $2. Now, the second game on Friday night, you'll be there in person. We've got the Perth Wildcats and the Cairns Taipans. So the form team in the league in the Wildcats, they're 122, and the Taipans are the strugglers right now. They finished last at the NBL Cup, and they're sitting last overall, and they're paying $4.20. Any hope for the Taipans? Look, I'm not going to discount the Taipans. I think that they've they've got a chance anytime you've, you've got Machado and Cam Oliver, and, and Cam Oliver's played some 
and both of them actually Machado's played some really good games at RSC arena. So that's not going to scare them. Um, it'd be a matter of, can they get more from the other guys? But I mean, you gotta like the form that the Wildcats are playing. You just kind of wonder if when, by coming home, do they kind of feel a little bit more comfortable? They had seven and seven out of, eight games in the NBL Cup. Sometimes you just kind of can relax a little bit. So I'll be interested to see how they come out in the first quarter. You know, they come out with that intensity that they're excited to play at home or they're, they've kind of just like, uh, we can, we can relax a little bit now that we've, uh, we've gotten home and, and we're in a familiar territory. Yeah, it's a big job, but yeah, I mean, the, the Taipans hadn't won a game um, early last season. Then they came over to Perth and handed the Wildcats their biggest ever loss at RSA Arena. So, they're, they're capable of it, um, so we'll wait and see. Now on Saturday, this game is very interesting. Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, obviously now without Mitch Creek, but I think Dane Pino will be back. I'm not sure about Kyle Adams' fitness after he rolled his ankle last last week on Sunday. I don't think Kiefer Sykes is ready to come back, so very much an up-and-down sort of personnel issue for the Phoenix. I don't know about Ryan Brokaw's fitness either, so we'll wait and see. But then the Adelaide 36 is still without Isaac Humphreys, but... Brandon Paul should be better for the run. Um, this is an interesting one back in Melbourne. So we've got the Phoenix on tab touch $1.55. The 36 is a two forty-five. Matty Knight sticking with the Phoenix. What do you think, Sean? I got the 36ers in this one. I think that's the best value in the round. I mean, the, look at the guys that they're missing. I mean, Mitch Creek is their heart and soul of, of that club. Keeper Sykes, those are their two best players. Um, and against the 36ers team who almost knocked off, should have probably knocked off mm. the best team uh, or hottest team in the league at the moment in the Wildcats just a few days ago. So I think the 36ers are going to get this one. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, especially with what's happening at the at the Phoenix, and you would have to be pumped up after giving up what the 36ers did. Now, the second game on Saturday is in Brisbane. It's the Brisbane Bullets and the New Zealand Breakers. So... On tap touch, the Bullets' favourite 150. The Breakers are 260. Matt is sticking with the Bullets, but there's all sorts of injury clouds over some of the Bullets' best players, including their two imports who have been sent for COVID tests, and it's a race against time to see if they can get their results back to be allowed to play tomorrow. And Nathan Sobey's amongst the others that are in doubt, having pulled up sick in the last 24 hours. But as we know, the Breakers aren't exactly, you know, full deck either, so... This is a fascinating one. We just don't know who's going to be out there. And where is Lamar Patterson? Is he he's back still, yet? He's still or not he, right to go. No, so. He's still not right. No. So, yeah, that is a – it's a tough one. I'm probably going to go with the Bullets, the fact that they're at home. But if they're missing Nathan Sobey, um, obviously Orlando Johnson's gone. They've uh, – you know, they're down a few bodies there. And, and, and obviously the COVID test, uh, they've still got to get results back. You, you think that they would get those back by the time game time starts. But, um, yeah, I'm going to go with the Bullets, but I, I could see the Breakers picking this one up, depending if uh, if Nathan Sobey plays. To me, that's the key. If he plays, Bullets win. If he doesn't, Breakers win. Yep, tough to argue. Now, on Sunday, um, this is another fascinating one. Back in, I think it's in Bendigo. So we've got Melbourne United playing the Illawarra Hawks, who, you know, just last week the Hawks handed United a, a pretty handy loss. Yeah, and the, and the Hawks are, you know, it was a good win for them. They're, they picked up a few good wins in the in the NBL Cup and, and had a couple of shocking losses, mm-hmm. but they're, you know, they're going to be up and down. I still think United get this one, just the fact that they're playing in Victoria yep. and, uh, you know, they're going to have a, a, a Bendigo crowd behind them. So I, I think United, I, I think they're going to start getting on a winning streak. You would th- you'd, you'd think so. Um then second up on Sunday, the Sydney Kings at home to the Cairns Taipans. Yeah, I think the Kings, you know, Taipans got to play in Perth on Friday, travel Saturday, play Sunday. That's mm. tough. And they they just haven't been the team that uh, everyone expected this year. You know, sitting bottom of the ladder, I think everyone kind of thought they'd be top four, yeah. possibly even top two um, with, with their personnel. So, But I think Kings... And being able to stay at home, they'll be ready for the Titans um, on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, Matty Knight agrees. And then last up, Monday night, RAC Arena, Perth Wildcats and the Adelaide 36ers. Rematch from on, from Sunday. Um, 
Can the 36ers turn it around, or is, is Perth too strong at home? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Wildcats. I think it's it's tough to beat beat the Wildcats. The, the one wild card for me, I, I kind of look at Brandon Paul uh, and the fact that you know he has played in in big arenas. It just seems like that guy who the big moment's not going to phase him. You know, if he has another blinder for a full 40 minutes, he could put that team into contention. And I, I, you know, another couple games between Giddy and Paul. You know, Giddy is clearly one of the best passers in the league and, and definitely the best passer under the age of 20 <laughs> is, uh, you know, I think they're going to find each other a little bit more. So uh, I think Brandon Paul, if, if he can have a massive game, it would give the 36ers a chance, but I think it's going to be tough for them to knock off the Wild Cup. You'd think so, but yeah, a lot to look forward to. Connor Henry's first game as a head coach against the Wildcats in Perth as well. So that's something else to, to look look forward to. Um, so that was the Tab Touch preview. Of course, thanks to Tab Touch and tabtouch.com.au. And go and check out all of the NBL betting markets for this weekend's games. And, and of course, check out the social media channels on later today on Friday. And you can find out what both Sean Redditch and Matty Knight have taken as their multi-bets for this week as they try to continue to raise money for charity. Um, so remember to gamble responsibly, but also take on their take on their advice because you'd hope that eventually they'll get something right. So so we'll stick stick with with their advice and thanks to Tab Touch for their support and of course thanks to Hoop Seven for making Hoop Seven's basketball hustle possible. Check them out at hoopseven.com.au. Um, been a lot to get through. Some heavy heavy topics, some lighthearted topics this week, Sean. Plenty of NBL discussion and. I hope everyone's enjoyed listening to it. Thanks to Damien Martin and Boomerang once again. Thanks to Matty Knight and Tab Touch for their support. But I'll sign off for this week and leave you with the final words from The Scoring Machine. Yes, final words uh, from The Scoring Machine. Look, I'm, I was interested to hear Jesse Wagstaff's comments when he finally arrived back in, in Perth. And he said the thing he uh, was looking forward to was mowing the lawn. So, uh Maybe tune in on Friday night, and uh, maybe if I get a chance, I might ask Jesse Wagstaff. Did he get his lawn mode um, in the lead up to uh, to the game on Friday night? 